Lord is alive, his spirit is here, and he is at work in every one of our lives. You know you don't have to ask God to work in your life. He's already working in your life. What you need to do is ask him to open your eyes to see him at work in your life. I promise you he's already working. You don't have to ask him to speak to you today. He is already speaking. His word has gone out. What you have to do is ask him to have your ears open to hear what he is saying. Amen? He is His spirit is here today. He is speaking and communing with your spirit today. You don't have to ask him to speak to your spirit. He already is. What you have to do is ask him to open your heart to receive what he has to say. Amen? I'm doing that today. Amen? Because I want to hear him. I want to see him. He's active. He's in this place. He's moving. He's changing. He's transforming us. I'm ready to get on to the next level. Amen? Amen. Amen. Really? I mean, come on now. Let's all, let's all go there together in this thing. I'm so excited about our series. It's been great. Who would have thought a, a black marker board would help so much? Crazy, right? But it has, uh, yeah, it's been awesome. So uh, we're going there today. I hope you've got your notebook. Maybe you have some colored pencils or pens with you. We're going to do some fun stuff on the board today. Maybe you're becoming an artist in through this whole situation, right? That'd be awesome. Hey, God is at work looking to expand your spiritual capacity. He is looking to enlarge your ability to hear him. He is doing that already. He is using the events of your life, the people in your life, the circumstances you're walking through. Every one of them are sovereignly arranged by his hand for that to happen. But listen, the enemy wants to stop that in you. And what happens is this. God brings an event, circumstance, people, scenario into your life that all of a sudden is difficult, is painful. And it's because that's what he will use to stretch you to love him, trust him, hear him more. But the enemy wants to say to you about that same circumstance, scenario, and people in your life, see, God has left you. God is not for you. You will never make it past this event. And as a result, so many people today, I'm just going to go ahead and say so many Christians today, in the walk of their faith, when they get to that next level that God says, all right, I'm about to use a new circumstance in your life. I'm about to use something new to expand your capacity. They get to that moment, and it's painful, it's difficult, it's awkward. And instead of pressing on into the heart of God, they get stuck right there, and they stop. And they don't progress any more forward. And the enemy says, boom, got him. Because the enemy is fixed on your inactivity. You being stuck in your faith. You not moving on with joy, not moving on with peace, not changing, not being transformed. Boom, got him. They're stuck. They're dead in the water. Today, we are we're going to see some hearts set free. Amen? 
We're going to unlock some flow today because God's word is alive. His spirit is here, and we're here to free life. Amen? All right, so let me start back where we did some time back just so we're all on the same page. When we started this series, I talked to you about how God has designed us. I've got a picture of you because the Bible gives us that picture. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says that you and I are made up of spirit, soul, and body. Let me draw this out a little bit here. If we put this in a diagram form here, you and I are made of spirit, soul, and body. You and I all have a body, our physical frame, and it is aging. It is getting weaker as it gets older. But if you've been born again, you have become a new person here in your spirit. And though this body be decaying, this one is improving. This one is being renewed daily, your spirit. Now, I know this gets a little confusing because sometimes we use spirit and soul interchangeably in our own lives, but at the core of who you are is your spirit. This is your identity. This is what was born with you dead. When you were born, you were separated from God. Your sin nature did not seek God. You were born separated and set on your own ways, your own things. You did what you wanted to do because your spirit was dead. Until the day that God spoke to you and you heard, he gave grace and you responded by faith and you asked Jesus to come into your heart is what we say, but what happened is you believed in his redemption and forgiveness and in that moment, you became a new person. Your spirit came alive. You began to be someone that you had not been before. You all of a sudden now recognize you had been forgiven. You had been cleansed. You had been bought. You had been seated in heavenly places. You had been accepted. You had been owned. You had been called. And now you belong to Jesus Christ. That's the new person inside you. Amen? And by the way, though this part of you may be aging and will one day die and decay, and if the Lord tarries, they'll put your body into a ground, this part of you is what will remain, and this part of you is what goes to be immediately with the presence of the Lord. Amen? And there'll be a day when Jesus returns that he will resurrect what has been buried, your body, to be reunited with your spirit and will be forever with the Lord. Amen? All right, we're on the same page so far. But let's talk about this area right here, what the Bible refers to as soul. It's interesting, in the Greek it's the word suke, what we get our word psychology from. And this part of us is made up of your mind, your emotions, and your will. I wrote it small, but maybe you can see it on the camera, right? That's the part of you and I that is in process of being transformed. My spirit is already with the Lord. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. He tells me I am actually holy and blameless here in my spirit. But my mind, emotions, and will haven't caught up with all of that yet, right? Because there's some days you say, I just don't feel very holy. 
Well, holy is not a feeling. Holy is a condition given to you by God, a statement of a uh, way that he makes you. And it's important that you tell your emotions, look, buddy, get in line. God has said it. I believe it. You're responsible to feel what I tell you to feel. I'm not going to do what you tell me to feel. Yes. Hello? The world's got it all backwards today because they deny that there is a spirit, that there is a God, that there is a God who transforms us. And the only thing the world has to lead with is their feelings. And so if they feel like they're a different gender than they were born with, they'll go that direction and they walk on into all kind of perversion and darkness. Amen? Are you with me? Because they're walking in their own mind, their own emotions, and their own will doing what they want to do. And they're walking in their flesh, the Bible says, instead of walking in the Spirit. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes to live. Now, let me make this clear. He doesn't come to live in you like you are the latest hotel chain that's just popped up that he moves into for a midweek stay. When you were born again, the Bible says the Holy Spirit quickened you, made you alive, and you became one with the Spirit. Your spirit became one with the Spirit of God. And if you become one with him, he can't leave unless he leaves with you. Hello? That's why we believe that we are secure in him. Amen? And I tell my mind and my emotions and will, catch up, bud. You guys are slow. But we get it backwards sometimes. We keep trying to rationalize faith, make it about what we can think. And we struggle with it instead of just believing it by faith, which is what we do in our spirit. We try to make it about our feelings. We try to work ourselves up to a feeling of worship or a feeling of faith or a feeling of, of God. No, you believe it by faith in your spirit and you'll see your emotions catch up. But if you live by your own mind, will, and emotions without the spirit of God, you'll find yourself in a desperate place. But God intends for us to live filled with his spirit here but also here, transform, being transformed in our mind, emotions, and our will, and telling our body, look, body, you get in line. That's why we fast, is to tell our body, no, you don't get to lead. I am who God says I am in my spirit. Body, you're way back seat. You're in the way back of the van. Or like I was telling my kids back when they made station wagons, Remember the back seat in the station wagon? It actually faced backwards. It was kind of weird. So you rode in the back seat facing the car behind you. It was like, hey. <laughs> it was kind of also weird because all the activities up there in the car, and they're all talking. You're like, must be nice to be up there. <laughs> right? They don't do that anymore. Anyway, let's get back to this. So God's design is that we would walk in the Spirit, and this Spirit would flow from us into every part of who we are, that we might know him, that we might walk in his ways, that we actually might be mighty in spirit. The Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians, said, I'm praying that you will be strengthened in your inner man, your spirit. This is where he calls us to be strong. And when that is true, then you'll find things in your life like great faith. You start operating off of what God says is true, not just what you want to believe. 
You start operating off of what the Bible says, not just out of what the world says. You start operating with great faith for what he says will be because your spirit becomes strong and mighty, stronger than even your will and emotions and your own mind. And you begin to have real insight even into Scripture. The more you're strong in spirit, the more you start walking in who you've been made to be in Christ, you start walking in truth, you start walking in righteousness, you'll start having insight into Scripture. Scripture will come alive to you. you start reading it, and all of a sudden, every word will be something that's just electric. It'll just pop off the page to you because you're strong in spirit. You're sensing God's words, which, by the way, the Bible says, are spirit. His word is even spirit. So you can't come to it with your head thinking, well, I'm going to try to understand all the theological implications of Scripture. Well, you can do that if you want, but I'm telling you, if you want to unlock Scripture, you've got to come with the Spirit to want to learn, not a head to try to logically deduce what's in it and figure out whether it's right or not. Mighty in Spirit, faith, insight, you'll also develop confidence. You start having boldness before God and before others. You start standing up for what he has said you are. You start standing against the enemy and what he's trying to whisper to you. You start standing in boldness, and you start even having victory in your life. You start finding, hey, I am really not as much a slave to sin as I used to be. I used to have this addiction, this issue, this problem. The enemy used to plague me with this, but the more mighty in spirit you become, you find you are what the Bible actually says, more than a conqueror. You start actually walking in the spirit and not giving in to the wiles of the flesh. Hello? This is what you and I are called to. That's what it means to be mighty in spirit. You start having wisdom as well. You see situations and you see life going on around you, and all of a sudden, you start having the very mind of Christ, with the very, which the New Testament tells us you can have. You can have the very thought processes of Christ. And you start having passion that comes alive in you. You cannot wait to spend time with God, to be with God's people, to get together with the church, to be one who is letting your light shine before others, to be used by God. And then you start having what the Bible says, fruit of the Spirit. You start having genuine love, genuine joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. It starts coming from your life because God is at the center of it and he's moving through you. And all of these began to flow from you. Amen? Now, to get to this spot, God, as I said, is faithful to provide each one of us with the exact situations, scenarios, circumstances, and troubles to cause us to not lean on our mind, our emotions, and our will. You don't have to look at your life and think, wow, how come so many weird things happen to me? I know. It's because there's a God in heaven who loves you greatly. There's a God in heaven who is passionate for you to have greater capacity to know him. And he knows how to arrange every event in my life for that purpose. As I said, though, what gets difficult is when, 
Those moments are really painful. When there's tragedy, when there's loss, when there's sorrow, when there's uncertainty, when we just don't know what to do next. Even that moment, however, has been designed by God. Because when you come upon a moment and you say, God, what in the world? Why? What is going on? And what am I supposed to do next? That moment has been designed for you to expand your capacity. If you don't let it expand your capacity, the enemy will use it to shrink your capacity and bring you to a place where your ability to sense God, hear God, and know God turns into the size of the capacity on a straw. It's tiny. Now, as I've said before, God is faithful to make in the physical realm what is a picture of the spiritual realm because the spiritual is actually what remains forever. Amen? The spiritual is what is true. What we see is all passing away. Hello? So it's important we recognize this. So when we think about this idea of the Spirit of God flowing through us and expanding our capacity, I wish it was like a computer. I could just drag this and, you know, that kind of thing. So that I expand my capacity, God has given us a beautiful picture of that within our own bodies. Within your body, God has designed blood to flow. And the life of the flesh is in the blood. Oxygen is carried in your blood to your body. You are able to move and breathe and live because blood is flowing through you. And God has designed a system of arteries for that blood to flow through to, to take life to every part of your entire body. So uh, if you're drawing along with me here, let's let these represent some arteries today. So this first one, we're going to let it represent a clear flowing artery. This will be the wall of the artery here around it, and blood is flowing through it. And this person is healthy. Blood is flowing. Life is coursing through their veins. They feel. They sense. They move. And they're able to enjoy life. But there's a crazy thing that happens if you and I choose to have an unhealthy diet, if we choose to not have a healthy amount of exercise, or if we allow things like stress, fear, and worry to begin to work in us, it can cause physical issues. And that physical issue today I want us to deal with is called the hardening of the arteries, where the very pathways 
that were meant to carry life and blood to all of your body become rigid, become hardened, and become thick and unable to carry life through them. Now, that process starts when plaque begins to build up in our arteries. Again, from unhealthy diet, lack of exercise, or other stressors in our life. And when that happens, a small amount of plaque begins to build up inside the artery. This is kind of a cutaway view here. And instead of life flowing through the artery with fullness, there begins to be a decrease because now the supply or the flow is limited. The interesting thing about our body is you really don't even sense anything physically at this point. You can have some blockage in your arteries and not know it, but it begins to develop over time when there is an unhealthy diet, lack of exercise, or stressors that are in our life. And if they are not dealt with, if we refuse to change, if we continue to go our own way, do our own thing, and stop listening to the doctor, or what you know is even right, this plaque buildup can take on a much larger form because it, doctors say it's actually sticky and plaque develops more plaque until it builds upon itself. I usually don't erase up here, but I'm going to this time. Because it can, oh, look at that. It's all slimy looking now. It's like an artery. They can get to the point where this is all plaque. And the only space for flow is through here. And when that happens, there's a great risk for heart attack or stroke to some part of the body because the supply has been cut off by this plaque buildup. And where there should have been life flowing, Instead, there's a restriction now, and the artery becomes rigid, it becomes hard, and even parts of this plaque can break off in small pieces and move through the artery and cause stroke, heart attack, and sudden death. Didn't know you were getting a medical lesson this morning, right? When this hardening of the arteries occurs, there can be symptoms. It's usually not until it gets to this point that there are the symptoms. This is when someone develops chest pain. This is when someone either has leg in the pain, in their, or pain in their leg or their arm, or, or they begin to have shortness of breath. There's fatigue. If it's in the brain, it could even be a state of confusion. It could lead to a loss of motor skills. Uh, I remember sitting with a lady one time. It was before church services many, many years ago. And we were sitting there talking, and all of a sudden, 
Nothing was said or done, but the whole left side of her face just went numb. And she could no longer communicate to us. She just was kind of mumbling. She didn't have any pain in that moment. We had to call 911. But it was a result of a stroke that she was having because of some buildup that had happened in her arteries. Now look here. Everything that happens in the physical has a picture for us and a lesson for us in the spiritual. You and I were meant to have the Spirit of God flowing through us in great fullness. But if you and I choose to resist listening to God, obeying God, seeking God, putting his ways first, acknowledging him, worshiping him, and instead we begin to say, you know what, I'm just going to lean on my own understanding. I think I got this figured out. I don't really need him. I don't need that. I got this. I'm going to rely upon my mind. I'm going to rely upon my will. What you do, wow, I don't even want to. You can't undo what God's done. I'm going to leave it there. Boom. But for some people, what happens is they end up with a capacity of about this big flowing through them because all of this is filled with their own mind, their own emotions, their own will, their own things. And they say, you know, I don't know what's going on. I just, I just hadn't heard God in forever. Really? Well, I just hadn't, I don't sense God's presence anymore. I don't see him doing great things in my life. I don't have a sense of what his will is. I mean, I'm just kind of going through the motion. I'm just kind of doing my thing. It's because you've resisted his will. It's because you've walked and done your own thing. It's because you've chosen to not walk in his ways and you've reduced your capacity down to something small. That's why all of a sudden you can't sense him, hear him, or know what he's up to. And that was never God's design. It was never his intention to bring those events into your life and cause your capacity to shrink. That was the deception of the enemy. And you bought it. You took it. You believed you were incapable. You believed you had to somehow appease this angry God instead of believing in the one who came to set you free. You somehow believed that you could not ever experience the greatness of God because of the pain that you went through. You somehow believed you had to prove yourself. You had to come up with the ideas. You couldn't rationalize what God said based on your feelings, so you just went with your feelings instead. And now that's why you have the capacity of a soda straw for your faith. Amen? Painful to hear, but sometimes truth is. Now, for our message title. <sighs> Let life flow again. Amen? Take your Bible, turn to Romans 8. Romans 8, 26 is where we're starting today. Romans chapter 8 is a powerful passage about the time to come. A time of great restoration, when God restores all things physical, when God restores all that has been distorted and lost because of sin, when God restores to such a glory that the things we're walking through today won't even compare with the glory that is to come one day. Amen? But you get to verse 26 and Paul says, now I've dealt with some of the restoration that's going to happen in the physical, now I'm going to talk about the spiritual because inside every one of us there's, a, there's some restoration that God is doing. 
And he's not going to wait just until the end of time to complete it. He's actually doing that right now for those who will listen and hear and respond. The power and the spirit of restoration is in this room right now to do what he wants to do. It doesn't have to wait till another day. It's available right now for those who will receive it, hear it, and receive it. Amen? The Bible says that, unrelated to this passage here for just a moment, but the Bible says that when Jesus went about, he went about teaching and healing. Teaching and healing. And the people came to hear and be healed. Hear and be healed. Because it is truth that heals people. And truth always comes before the healing. The response to truth. Jesus went about teaching preaching and healing and it was always in that order go back and look and for those who will hear truth and what he is teaching what he is preaching and you'll apply it to your life you'll find some healing amen all right romans 8:26 is where we start today likewise the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Well, it's coming a day of glory and restoration, but there's a spirit of restoration who's at work right now. And that spirit has come to help in our weaknesses. I love this. Because the new, the new King James uses the word weaknesses here. Depending upon what version of Scripture you're looking at, it might say something different here. Your Bible might say infirmities here. Because the actual Greek word is the word that means sickness, infirmity. The Spirit helps, comes along to rescue you in your times of soul disease. I heard this recently. I didn't believe it at first. Then I went back and looked, and it's true, and I love it. The word disease, watch this is made up of two parts, dis-ease. Profound, right? Watch this. Dis, meaning against. So like back in the 90s and 2000s, we'd say, hey, man, don't be dissing me. <laughs> right? Hello? Don't be dissing me. Dis against ease, health, life, and rest. I'm at ease, right? Disease is dis-ease. When you are not at ease with what God is doing in your life, you will have some dis-ease in your emotional state, in your mental state, in your physical body state even sometimes. You'll have some disease because you're at dis-ease. Taking it in. And Paul says, look, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the very essence of the Holy God who has created all things, has sent his Son to redeem us. The Spirit that was with them and is with them, that Spirit has come to help you in your dis-ease. He's come for that purpose. This moment in your life that's a struggle that you think is random, that you think is 
impossible. That has been designed by God and the Spirit is here to help you in that moment. In your moment. And no one in this room, no one in this room doesn't have this truth applied to their life if you will walk in it. It's for you. And the Spirit has come to help us in our weaknesses. Now, I'm going to write over here on this side what it means to have healing or capacity restored. Amen? And this passage tells us how. The first thing is this. You have to admit your need. The Spirit has come to help you in your weaknesses, infirmities. But that means you've got to be willing to say, I am at dis-ease. It's tough for us 21st century Americans to admit we have a problem. You might have even gone through the mental exercise this morning before you got here of thinking, how can you look like you don't have any problems? It's crazy that we would come to the gathering of the church of the living God where the Spirit of God is present, where Jesus is exalted, where his presence is in different form than it is if you and I are in our house together. The Spirit of God is in this place with us gathered. That's what makes church gathering essential. Why would we show up to this place trying to be something that we're not? This should be the place that we show up honest, real, genuine before God and say, I need the Savior's work in my life now. If you do say that, you're walking in sync with him because he has shown up for your weaknesses. Amen. I'm glad for that. I'm glad he knows my weaknesses. I'm glad he has come for my uncertainties, my insecurities, my fears, my doubts. He has come for my dis-ease. But the next part of the verse says this. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. You ever been in a moment where you didn't know how to pray as you ought? That's a funny word to end a sentence with, ought. It means there's a certain way to pray about the situation, but I don't know it. I don't know whether to go this way or this way. I don't know whether to ask God for this or to ask God for that. And I'm just stuck in my moment. Anybody ever reach that spot? Hello? This is that moment of honesty right here. Oh, I'm glad the rest of you came today. But uh, maybe we can learn something from you all. Yeah. <laughs> I will. We'll never see him work if we can't be honest that we're in need. And I know, not because I know each of you, but because I know God, that he 
has a moment in every one of our lives that he's using right now to expand your capacity. And I trust or I believe you don't have it all figured out yet. Right? Number two, if you want to expand your capacity, seek spiritual help. This verse tells us again, we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. That happens sometimes. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. You don't even know how to feel. You're just kind of in that moment, and it's confusing, and it's illogical, and you just can't understand it. God is here for that moment. And the moment that requires you to say to someone and to God, I don't know what to do. That statement alone will increase your capacity. The fact that you would say, help me. I can't figure this out. I'm faced with a circumstance. I don't know what to do. Help me. Talk to me. Pray with me. Counsel me. Tell me from your experiences what you did Help me. That is a capacity-expanding statement and experience just by itself. But the enemy will do everything he can to keep you from saying that. He'll put thoughts in your head like, dude, don't tell anybody what you're going through. They'll think you have lost it. That is the voice of the enemy. When the enemy says to you, you dare whisper this to anybody in your life, you'll look foolish. That's the enemy. God pours out his grace to those who are humble, to those who will say, I don't know what to pray for. Help me. Come alongside me. And you say that to God with desperation, and you say it to your wife or your husband with desperation. You say it to the people who love you the most with desperation. You seek out spiritual counsel with desperation because God blesses when we admit we're humble before Him, before others. I went to men's retreat one time and experienced the most unusual thing. They took us all out as a group of about, I don't know, 15, 20 men. And they brought us in front of this wall that was probably 15 feet tall. It's just straight up. There's no steps, no pegs, no nothing on it. It's just flat wall all the way up. And they said, now, there's some steps around the backside. You can have two men at the top. You can have two men at the bottom. But you have to get your whole team over the wall. I'm like, dude, I didn't grow up doing this kind of stuff. I was an artist. I was in the band. Come on. You know, some of the guys were like, oh, let's do this. And I was great. Okay. But I watched. It didn't matter whether you were, or if you were me. You weren't getting over that wall on your own strength. And it's an exercise designed to do that to men. I've seen some women have to go through the same exercise, but this was a bunch of men. Because we like to get it done on our own. 
And I watched two different things happen that day. I watched some men try to do it in their own strength. So the people that were helping us, they said, look, here's the deal. You put your two people at the base. If this was the wall, you put two people here. They're the base. You put two people at the top, and they're going to help pull you over. So what you have to do, men, when you step up, you've got to put yourself in the hands of these men to lift you up. And then the ones at the top, they'll pull you over. And they said, don't fight against them or you won't get over. So the people who made it over quickly were the ones who just walked up and basically put themselves in the hand of these two men. And they just went, and then the other, you just stuck your hands out like this. And the next two men at the top grabbed their arms and went, and you're over the wall. But I watched some men approach that wall, and they approached it with, I can do this. And they're kicking, and they're climbing, and the guys are like, stop, you're kicking our head, stop, stop. And they fought, and they're trying to climb the wall like Batman going up a 1960s TV show, you know, or Spider-Man in 2020. You know, in that, it's going up the wall there, and they it just, they're fighting against it. They're trying to do it all themselves, and it took forever because they wouldn't admit they couldn't do it on their own. And when they finally gave up and relaxed, they were able to get them right over the wall. There's going to be moments in your life where you're not going to know what to do, where you're going to be at a loss. Let that be the moment that catapults you right up into the presence of God and catapults you into the presence of spiritual counsel around you and pour out your heart in that moment. Amen? There'll be moments where you won't know what to pray. But the next part of the verse says this, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Some fascinating stuff here. You see, if you've gotten yourself to the place where your spiritual capacity is very tiny, this stuff right here will look like freakazoid religion to you. I'm serious. You'll look at this and think, they didn't lost their minds down there at Vertical Church. But I'm going to tell you, the Word of God is true. The Spirit of God is alive, and He is at work in you. And He's wanting you to let go of your own stubbornness, your own will to try to make it happen, your own thoughts to try to figure it out, and your own emotions. He's trying to let you have spiritual capacity. And so therefore, the Spirit of God within you, this verse says, makes intercession. That means the Spirit in you is praying for you. I've had times where I've asked people to pray for me, and that gives me some encouragement but this right here, you've got the holy God, the fullness of his essence, the great and powerful spirit of God who was hovering over the waters at creation, the spirit of God who came in and resurrected our Lord Jesus from the dead, that same spirit is in you, and he's crying out to the Father for you. He's doing that from within you. 
Not from somewhere distant place. He's not in a control tower somewhere. He is in you. And because you haven't been listening to him, because you don't know what he has to say, because you're walking in your own strength right now, when he tries to speak to you, you've denied him, you've pushed him away, you can't understand him, but you still feel something moving in there. Amen? And boy, when you do... You try to make sense of it, and you can't because you're trying, to, you're trying to resist. You're trying to fight. You're trying to figure it all out on your own, but the Spirit of God is deep within, and he's speaking to you, and you hear him, and he starts moving you, and you don't know what to say, and you don't know what to do, and all you can do is say, ever had that moment before where you can't say anything, you can't do anything, but there's something inside that's calling you back to the heart of God. There's something inside that says, don't give up. God is with you. There's something inside that says, trust me with all your heart and don't lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledgement, I'll direct your path. There's something inside. That is the Spirit of God, and He is the one who's moving in you. And you may not understand Him because all that comes out of you is, mm. don't deny Him when He even groans through you. Because that's Him praying for you. Number three. Pour out your heart to God. This means you've got to be willing to be okay with some tears. This means you've got to be okay with not having all the answers. This means you've got to be okay putting yourself in a vulnerable position before God and before others. If there's ever been a day when the church needs to get this right, it's today. We are in a vulnerable spot right now. We've been backed up against the wall by the enemy. And it's time for the church to fall down on its face before the living God and say, God, help us. Amen? It's time for each of us individually to say, God, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about my marriage. I don't know what to do about my kids. I don't know what to do about my thoughts. I don't know what to do about my job situation. I don't know what to do about the finances. God, God. willing to pour yourself out, even if it makes you sound foolish. This passage goes on. It says, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. In other words, the Father knows what the Spirit is saying. The Father hears the Spirit, because they are one. 
because, the verse says, he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit of God knows exactly what to pray. You don't know how to pray exactly? He does. And he's praying for you according to God's will. Watch this, which means there is a very specific will that God has for your life. There's an order. There's a way. There's a process. There's an obedience. And the Spirit is praying you will listen to him. He's praying you'll walk in his will, not in your flesh. He's praying you'll walk in his priorities, not your own mental ideas. He's praying you'll walk in his urges, not your own. Amen? And the Father hears all of this. And the Spirit's praying for you. And that means if you want to expand your capacity, you're going to need to rest in God's will, not your will. You have to bring yourself to that place of just resting in him. Because what got you to this and this was trying to go it alone, make your own plans, do your own thing, follow your own urges, follow your own emotions, make your own path, and all of a sudden, you can't hear God anymore. And all of a sudden, you've got spiritual numbness going on. That's what happens when your spiritual arteries get clogged. You've got pain in your life that is unexplainable. That's because you're arteries are clogged that are meant to have the spirit of faith moving through you. Finally, in this passage, a verse that we're all very familiar with, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called, to those who are the called according to his purpose. God has a way and he has a plan, and he's working it all together, that means now I'm going to let what has been clogging up my own spiritual arteries, my own hardening of my heart to be cleansed, cleared. I'm going to repent of it because I want to get back to the place where he is moving freely, powerfully, deeply through me. This means I have to get to the place where I'm willing to move at his lead. If he's working all things together, then I don't have to stop and say, wait a minute, I got to have a five-year plan before I can figure all this whole thing out. That's me. Wait a minute, I, before I can take this step, I need to know what the next seven steps are going to be. That's me. Instead, God, I got into the spot I am because I had, I had to try to figure it all out before you. But now, I, I realize that hardened my heart. It clogged my arteries. Today, God, I'm just going to commune with you. I want you to speak. 
I don't know what to say. All I know to do is cry out to you. And now I'll listen. And I will do what you tell me to do. Not what I tell me, not what I feel is right, but what you say is right by your spirit. Amen? Would you bow your heads? Spirit of God is at work in this room right now. He's promised that where two or more gathered in his name, there he will be. He's promised that as the church of the living God, that the gates of hell cannot prevail against what he is about. And so this morning we stand in the confidence and assurance he's working in us, moving through us, and working all things together for us. And they're good. And you might need to tell him this morning, God, forgive me. God, forgive me for trying to do it on my own, for trying to run the show, for trying to figure it all out. All it has done to me, God, is harden my heart. All it's done to me, God, is make my capacity almost nothing. So I return today, God, to repent of that, to yield to you, to be led by you only. And God, what you lead, even if it's just the slightest groaning within me, I'll respond. I will do what you say because nothing is more important than that. Father, I thank you for your continued work in our lives to conform us, transform us, free us, and for the very spirit of resurrection to be alive in us. We might no longer walk in the flesh or in the old ways of death, but in the power of your spirit. And so we as your people, we yield to you today. We hurt for the areas where we've walked away, but we return with great joy knowing you heal what's been broken. You bring beauty from ashes and you bring the oil of joy where there's been such deep sorrow. Thank you for healing us, for expanding our capacity to know you. We pray in Christ's name, amen. Amen, amen. I appreciate your attentiveness this morning to the Spirit of God and what he's doing here in our midst. We're going to close our service today um, with a couple of things. We'll do some announcements here in just a little bit. But I'm excited because we're going to be baptizing today. Amen? Yeah, amen. So I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to let Truett tell you all about that. Truett, tell us. Awesome. Yeah, I am so excited for this today. Uh, A couple months ago, I got to meet with Brooke Sterling here. So I'm going to go ahead and invite you and Bobby up here. If you all would like to stand here for a second. Brooke is a student in our youth group here. Uh, He's 16, and uh, through lots of conversations we've had uh, and observing his life, we are very happy and proud to say that this man right here is a believer in Jesus. Uh, He is a new creation. 
And so uh, we got to talk a couple months ago about this, but we talked after D-Now, and he said, I'm ready to take a stand uh, and be a picture of what burning for truth looks like. Uh, we're so, so proud. Uh, so if you have anything you'd like to share, now would be great. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm very grateful for the D-Now experience. That was amazing. Um, uh, y'all had those great leaders there willing to listen, and that's kind of what pushed me towards this uh, just being there and they were always there. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, a little back history of me. I was born in Ethiopia and at age three, I was adopted and brought here to my wonderful family. And um, uh, I still have connections to my family in Ethiopia, which is great. Um, and just throughout my life, uh, I've seen God moving and um, he gave me a gift of art and it's a passion I love. And uh, me and Pastor Brian got to relate a little bit this morning. So, uh, yeah, so that's great. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I gave my life to Christ a while back ago, and I never got baptized. And uh, I, don't, I didn't know exactly why, but um, it's just something that I never did. And I uh, kind of struggled with that for a long time. And so uh, being here, though, and uh, the Lord put some really strong friends around me and my parents and they started speaking into my life. And so uh, I started listening and I decided to make this choice, decided I couldn't wait any longer. And so I'm finally here doing it and I'm so proud. That's awesome, that's awesome. Yeah, we're so excited for uh, this man right here, Brooke. Uh, this is a picture of the next generation that takes a step and says, Jesus is king, I will follow him and I will lead my family in this way as well. So. Let's get you baptized. Come on. And I'll be right here for you. All right. So, Brute, this is really a joy to be able to celebrate this with you today. And I just, I hope you know uh, that Mom and I are just really proud of the man uh, that you're becoming in Christ. So continue to walk in that. And so I've got one question for you. And is that, have you made the choice to allow God to be the Lord and Savior in your life? All right. And because of that, it is my privilege as your dad and as your brother in Christ to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to be buried in baptism and walk in newness of life until baptism. 